0: welcome to the christian wealth podcast where people come to learn what the bible says about money wealth and business be inspired by some of the greatest christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet enjoy this episode with your host alex cook
1: we're going to talk tax time strategies uh, over this next month leading up to the end of financial year you'll be interested in how you can make the most of tax time strategies and a bit of a focus today on superannuation as we welcome alex cook uh, for our ask alex segment alex welcome back to 2020 hey neil great to be with you Alex, almost tax time again, end of financial Mm. year. Uh, What are some planning activities? Yes, the time rolls around quickly. What are (laughs) some of the sort of uh, planning activities we ought to be considering this time?
0: Yeah, well, look, the big one I think we'd focus on this morning is superannuation because that's the one that affects uh, the majority of us. And uh, usually there's some, it depends on one's personal situation, but there are a lot of really good opportunities to top up your super and potentially to have the government also top up your super um, and various tax breaks as well. So we'll we'll touch on some of those. There's always a few other little ones. If you've got uh, things like income protection, you can prepay it. That's an eligible tax deduction. You can prepay investment loans. So there's a range of little ones, but I think really the big focus uh, should be superannuation because that's the one, as I say, that affects uh, the majority of us that are still engaged in in the workforce.
1: Okay, so a focus on superannuation today, and listeners might have a question. So uh, 1-800-316-316, a direct question. In my introduction a little earlier on, I said, uh, you know, sometimes we're confused by things like concessional and non-concessional and government co-contributions and such things. Uh, What are the confusing Mm. things that you find when you're talking to people around about their super? (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, it's funny you should say that because there is a bit of lingo, unfortunately, in the industry. And so one of the the, the keys is to, just to keep it simple. Once you sort of learn a little about it, it's actually quite straightforward. So if we just unpack, say, the concessional and the non-concessional, because they're the two biggies and they're the one main ones. Uh, a concessional contribution is simply one where somebody is claiming a tax deduction and therefore you're getting a concessional tax benefit inside the superannuation fund. So for example, almost most listeners, if you're employed, your employer is paying your super, they've gotta pay 10%, although there is good news, as of 1 July, everybody's super contributions from your employer is gonna go up to 10.5%, that's from 1 July this year. But with concessional, you're either your employer's claiming a tax deduction, or you can put in money yourself and claim a tax deduction. Now, one just sort of, I guess, Uh, just a bit of a a word of wisdom for everyone. Before you do anything that Neil and I are talking about today, please either go and really do your research because there are consequences when you put into money to super, there are tax consequences, uh, your money's preserved, there's various things. So please either do your research or go and get sound advice because it's very important that you get it right. Um, But back to the concessional contribution, that's the the limit is up to $27,500 that you're allowed to put in every year and you can put in some of that and claim a tax deduction for it which is which is great um, you have to allow for the fact that your employer may have already put some money in, and that counts towards that limit. So, for example, let's say your employer's put in 10000 you could put in up to another 17 and a dollars and claim it as a tax deduction. So that's a really useful one. Um, certainly, if you're keen to boost your super, uh, you know, you're getting closer to retirement, that's a really good one to be giving serious thought to, because what it also does is it reduces your income tax. And most of us, you know, we're all looking for legitimate ways to reduce our income tax. So that's a great one to do. Um, A really popular one, and this is for those of you who maybe you're a low income earner or perhaps your spouse is a low income earner, is what's called the government co-contribution. And this is where you put in up to a thousand dollars into your superannuation, and the government will match it with another 500 um, So it's essentially a 50% return on your investment on your, on your $1,000. Now, there are limits to this, uh, and that's there are various thresholds. So you need to earn under, <coughs> it's around under the $40,000 mark, so I think it's about $41,000. The limits do change a little bit every year, but up to a limit of about $53,000, you may still benefit from it. Okay, so you can Google the government co-contribution and it'll come up with those various thresholds. So, that's so, a really uh, Alex, some listeners one.
1: might be thinking, does that actually happen automatically? Uh, how does the mm. government know you've made the $1,000 contribution and uh, will then do their co-contribution?
0: Yeah, very good question. And it is fully automated. There's only your responsibility is to put the money in. So a government, you need to put in the $1,000. And that is a type of non-concessional contribution. So you put the $1,000 in. Super funds by law report to the ATO. So they report quarterly, and they will actually tell them that you've made that contribution. So you don't need to do anything there. The second thing, though, that you do need to do is you need to make sure you do your tax return. Because when you do your tax return, it's when the ATO then knows your income and then they electronically match it off. So the super fund's told them how much you've put in and you've told them how much you've earned, and then it electronically matches off and they literally deposit the money into your super fund afterwards. So it all happens automatically. Your own real responsibility is just making sure you put the money in before 30 June and make sure you do your tax return. Do those two things and you'll you'll get your contribution, so long as you qualify, obviously.
1: And I guess there's a little bit of incentive, isn't there? And uh, the government wants you to get your tax return in on time, so uh, that's an incentive to do that. If you've made that extra uh, contribution of $1,000, the government does the co-contribution and uh, everything if it all works together uh, it works in our benefit so uh, that's something it's a little bit like free money you don't uh, you don't necessarily it is. It uh, is. yeah you don't want to, you don't want to say no to that do you
0: no, look, it's a great one. And a very sort of similar one potentially um, is the spouse contribution. Works a little bit differently, um, but basically you can put um, money into your spouse's super fund. Um, so one is the recipient, one is the, the giver. Um, you can put in, I mean, there's a limit in total how much you can put in, but the, the general amount you put in is $3,000. Uh, and so long as the recipient spouse earns under forty k, the person that's put the money in, so the, the spouse that's given the money, gets a $540 tax rebate when they do their tax return. So it's once again, it's essentially a free tax rebate, from the from the ATO, if you do it, if you can afford to put in the three thousand dollars to your spouse's super, as I say, thresholds do apply here, so that's why you got to do your homework. Don't just assume it'll happen. Um, but once again, another good strategy for you know for for what is essentially very easy money. These are very very common strategies.
1: Alex, a lot of people nervously watching the stock market right now, uh, different ways mm. we could invest. Uh, how do you see our super as compared to other investment options that we might have?
0: Yeah, look, what I always say to people, and this is a very important thing for, for listeners to, to get a hold of, is think of your super as a tax structure structure. Separate it from being an investment. So a lot of people, when they think super, they think they're, they're investing, which they are because obviously their super money is invested. However, the best way to think of it is super is it's a low tax structure. So when you invest money, you can put it in your own name, you can invest it via a trust or you can invest it via a super fund. So think of super as a low tax structure, which is very low, it's only 15% during your working life. And when you retire, it becomes tax free. Okay, so think of it as a tax structure. The second issue, but very obviously important issue, is then where do you invest the money? Okay, and that's when you can talk about cash, and bonds, and shares, and property, and all those different things. Obviously, <laughs> we've had a, a very volatile start to the year. Uh, you know, stock markets fell significantly in January, then they've had a big rally, and then they've had another big fall in the last couple of weeks. So it's it's a very volatile year. Um, whilst I do think that given some of the things going on around the world at the moment I do think there is downside risks you know I do think there are risks going forward um, when you think of your super though you should take a longer term view uh, you know it's really a thing for retirement it's you should be taking a that sort of 10 plus year perspective on it um, but you may need to adjust your risk so for example if you're 65 and you're about to retire then maybe you do need to consider how much risk you're taking and whether it's appropriate or not Um, But, you know, if you're listening to this and and you're 35, then really should have a, you know, sort of a 20 year view and you shouldn't be phased by what's going on in the stock market at all. And and the big mistake people try and make is trying to time it. You know, it's, it's impossible to try and time these things. And hence the need just to have a a simple view, stick to good quality and have a long-term perspective towards your superannuation. Very important way to to manage
1: it. Well, we've had lots of conversations around issues like stewardship and uh, doing some things now that will prepare for your retirement. Uh, even we've had conversations about the different views people have. And, uh, you know, I have faith in God, so why prepare for retirement? But there's a certain thought here uh, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that that stewardship and preparation for the future, uh, counting the cost, uh, an important part of what we ought to be thinking about. What are your thoughts here about even, uh, you know, having a retirement position? If you're a Christian believer and you're, you know, dedicated, sold out to serving God with your whole heart, how do you see retirement? Mm. Look, I think
0: it's a question we all need to grasp, you know, grapple with and think it through. Um, because we're bombarded by messages through the, you know, the mainstream media about the future and what it should look like. And, you know, people traveling and seeing on a beach and all, all this kind of uh, images that people have in their mind. Uh, but we have to ask the question, you know, is that biblical? And is that wise stewardship? Now, generally speaking, the Bible is actually silent On this concept of retirement although there is one fabulous passage that I'll share with you in just a moment and biblically speaking we're built to work you know if you look at you know the model that God gave and we see it right back in Genesis you know you work six days and then on the seventh day you rest you know we were built to work now that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to work for money uh, but the point is that every day Uh, you've got to get up on purpose and and, and live a fruitful life, a life focused on Christ and a life focused on building his kingdom. Um, But the issue of retirement and the need to prepare for it I take the view that we should not adopt the, the, the Western world view of you know just thinking about what holiday am I going to go on and how am I going to spend my you know my super fun but rather we should be thinking about how we're going to run our race for Jesus to the end but still prepare for retirement financially because the reality is for most of us you know we, we age our bodies uh, you know become frailer it becomes difficult to go to work maybe some listeners you know you're in a physical job maybe you know you're out there you're driving a truck or you know, you're know you doing some sort of physical labour, at some point that will become difficult to do. And therefore, there is a practical reality that we need to prepare our finances for retirement um, so that we're not a burden on others and so that we can live a purposeful retirement and, and do fruitful things with it. Um, but strictly speaking, the Bible is silent on it. But one thing I do want to give listeners, though, is a, a Bible passage that I just love from Psalms which just encourages you to think differently about retirement. So it's from Psalm 71, it's verse 18, it says, Even when I'm old and grey, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So our legacy as, as believers is not just having a you know a cushy easygoing retirement. Our legacy when we're old and grey is to pass on the good news of Jesus to the next generation, to declare the power of God, to declare His mighty works, to declare how you get saved to the future generations. That is what a purposeful retirement is: running your race to Jesus to the end. And, and money is just a you know a tool that we use to be good stewards of, to still remain generous, and to to fund ourselves through those years when we're unlikely to be working for employment. It's a really important issue, I think, that we as believers need to
1: grapple with. Alex, are there any downsides uh, that we ought to be considering so far as our superannuation goes? Uh, Lots of us will be saying, well, uh, I should have thought of this a whole lot of years earlier and uh, done a whole (laughs) lot more with it. But uh, downsides, uh, putting your money into super, are there any? Yeah, look, the
0: the two main ones, uh, superannuation is subject to what we call preservation rules. And preservation just simply means that when you put money into super, the money is essentially locked away until you reach preservation age. Now, preservation age um, is based on your year of birth. um, But for most people, it is 60 years of age. Okay, so in other words, if you're listening to this, the earliest you can get your superannuation fund is from age 60. At age 65, you have full access to it, but at 60, there's various things you can do, such as starting transition to retirement pensions, and you can technically retire and have access to it at that age. So that's the first one. Your money's locked away. So if you're listening to this and maybe you're 25 and you think about buying your first home, superannuation's probably not going to be a great priority because you're locking the money in. Although there are some schemes to help you actually buy your first home using some of your super money. But that's, a, that's another topic. Um, but the second big thing is that is potential legislative changes in the future. Um, because there's so much money in superannuation now, and because it's so uh, low tax, I would say there's a bit of a risk in the future. And look, they're always tweaking it. But there is a bit of a risk that some legislative legislative changes in the future may not be as beneficial as they have been in the past. Um, I mean, for example, when you're 60 and you're taking income out of your super fund, it's completely tax free. That's something that you know Peter Costello introduced, you know, 15 years ago. Is that sort of thing likely to continue into the future in a country where you've got ageing population, you've got high debt levels, and so forth? So you have to assume that the government is going to do a little bit of fiddling with it. So they're the two big ones to just sort of be mindful of and accept that it's not, you know, it's not meant to be a perfect solution, but it's certainly a very good system in Australia that we have.
1: Well, Alex, uh, running out of time, uh, when I often will say to listeners, uh, go to the Wealth With Purpose website because there's lots of free resources, is there something that helps make sense of superannuation in any of those resources you have on your site?
0: Hmm, It's a good question, I'm trying to think. We've certainly got some retirement um, e-books, but uh, you've uh, you've jogged my memory. I'd have to to dig in and see. I think we've probably got some blog articles on superannuation, but maybe I should write one in the next few days.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, some listeners might be looking forward to that. And, of course, over the coming weeks in lead up to the end of financial year, we'll have a bit of a focus on some strategies uh, towards tax time. So uh, let me point listeners, uh, Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose. The Wealth With Purpose website is wealthwithpurpose.com. Uh, there are free eBooks, the My Toolkit, free videos, podcast content, and you've heard it—a promise from Alex Cook. Uh, some detail about how you can <laughs> look for some guidance on superannuation. Hey, uh, Alex, I know listeners can follow you too on Facebook and on Twitter. Thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts on finance once again today on Twenty Twenty. My
0: pleasure, yeah. Great to be with you.